Today's episode is Dondi Costin. He is a former Major General in the United States Air Force. He has led the United States Air Force Chaplain Corps and served as Chief of Chaplains of the United States Air Force since August 30th, 2015. He retired effective 1 September 2018, having accepted the position of President of Charleston Southern University earlier that year. I was an officer, but um, my my um, graduated from the Air Force Academy and was a industrial engineer in the Air Force for two assignments. And then when I was called to be a chaplain, um, you know, my, my one of my ways to you know, get to the place where I could finish seminary was uh, to teach ROTC. And so I did that at Texas Christian University. And um, uh, while I was there, I finished up at Southwestern Baptist Seminary in Fort Worth as well. But my main job was was recruiting. So I did, I was a guy who, you know, lugged, like you, lugged all the stuff and, you know, went to all the high school fairs and told the same stories a thousand times, and, mm-hmm. you know kept your chipper demeanor at at all times. Where were you recruiting? I was in Bay City, Michigan. I have no idea what it takes to become a chaplain. Because, oh, you're an officer, so you just needed a bachelor's bachelor's degree and then just say that you believe in God and you're a chaplain. But they don't realize how much more involved becoming a chaplain is. So can you, like, walk through that process of what it's like? Yeah, yeah. To, to, to be a chaplain, and this would be the same in all the services, to be a chaplain requires uh, a bachelor's degree. And the, the best news is for those who want to be a chaplain, it doesn't matter what the degree is in. I mean, so it doesn't have to be in religion, it can be anything. My, my degree was in industrial engineering. But after that, uh, what's required is a master of divinity degree. And so it's a three year, um, typically it's a 90 hour, semester hour program or so. And it's the rough equivalent of going to law school in terms of how long it takes. And so once you get the uh, Master of Divinity degree, then you have to, you know, find uh, a denomination or an endorser or, or a faith tradition who will endorse you. And there are, you know, a couple hundred or so of these. Um, and so you apply through them and they sign a one page piece of paper that basically says this person does represent our faith tradition. And the idea is that the government has no business deciding what theology is good or bad all right and so they let leave that to the denominations and then once the the denomination says yeah this person uh you know represents us and you know one of the approved uh, approved faith groups that the military recognizes then uh, the the air force in my case takes over the army in your case takes over um and uh, you know you go through the whole process of maps and all of that you know um, requirements, physical fitness test, all of that. And then uh, once you're in, you know, and the, the, the last thing that's required is a, at least a couple years of experience uh, as a minister so that when you come into the Air Force or, or the military, you know, you, you know what you're doing. You, you know, the, the first the first person you baptize is not a, a soldier, right? You know, and it, it needs to be somebody back in, you know, wherever you came from, Kentucky. Um, and so you know how to give the Lord's Supper and preach sermons that don't put everybody to sleep, you know, that sort of thing. When- My career w- was about as un- unorthodox as you could, you could imagine, because most, most, uh, you know, my anecdotal data tells me that about half 
of chaplains had served in some other capacity before in the military, either enlisted or officer, probably half and half of both. But somewhere along the way, called to the ministry, and that's that's what happened in my case. My case is is relatively unique, um, almost unheard of, because I was able to finish the education while I was in the while I was a line officer. And so one day I was a line officer. The next day I was a chaplain. Um, most people have to get out of the Air Force, uh, get out of the service, you know, go to seminary or go pastor a church and then come back. Uh, but I was able to, to finish it that way. So from the from, from very early on, um, uh, the, the best gift that was given to me was that people from the very first day said to me, well, yeah, this is great, but, you know, you can never you, you'll never be promoted. You'll never, you'll, you can never become the chief of chaplains. Not that that's in the mind of any captain, but uh, they said, yeah, you, you, your career, you, you got the wrong start. You know, you, you, you waited too late. Uh, your promotion boards are going to be off now. You're never going to make it. You don't, you never have time to be a, a colonel or certainly not a, a chief of chaplains. And so I said, cool. Um, then that, that takes a lot of pressure off of me from, from day one. All I have to do is what I've always wanted to do anyway, and that's just to be a chaplain. Um, and so um, I, I never I never worried about, uh, you know, getting promoted. I never worried about having the right assignments. I never worried about any of that stuff. But, you know, at the same time, um, I, I didn't burn any bridges either, right? I mean, you know, so I wasn't, I wasn't crazy. Um, <laughs> so what, what I have often said to other young chaplains, and, you know, you can, you're not going to be a good chaplain um, and this is probably true in any career field. You're not going to be certainly not going to be a good chaplain if if the foremost thing on your mind is what's next. Um, what I, what you need to do is bloom where you're planted. The thing that's coolest about all those things is not what I say. The thing that's coolest is standing there before and after and having these veterans from all kinds of different eras, some who were in combat and some who weren't, just coming in and telling their story. Um, and you know, it's, it's worth the drive wherever you have to go just to hear these, you know, patriots, uh, young and old, frankly, um, tell the story. And, you know, I, I asked them questions like, well, why did you join? Um, and of course some of them, um, get to say, well, I got a letter from uncle Sam that, that, uh, um, told me I was joining. And so, okay, no, I, I got, I got that. No, you know, um, but you know, these days, uh, as, as you well know, having been a recruiter yourself, it's, it's, it's all volunteer. Um, and you know, people, as, as we discussed a little bit earlier, you know, people join for all kinds of different reasons. And I love, I love hearing a, why they joined and then B why they stayed. Um, a lot of people just like you, like you just suggested, a lot of people stay for reasons that had nothing to do with the reasons they joined as a chaplain, you know, employed a, a good bit as a chaplain. Um, uh, so, you know, I was, uh, I was, everybody has their 9-11 story. And so my 9-11 story was uh, um, at Pope Air Force Base in the shadow of Fort Bragg. And the shadow of Fort Bragg is very large, as, as you will know. Um, there's no getting around that this is an army town. Mm-hmm. And so I'm sitting there in the barber chair um, when the second aircraft hits, uh, hits, the, hits the building, second building. And, and uh, the, the, our security forces, um, our MP, for, in your language, our security forces a commander, a major, was standing there in the doorway. Um, and as soon as the building hit, he says, uh-oh, I'm out of here. And so I was like, okay, this is, this, this is real. And then six months later, you know, I was first in Kuwait and then Afghanistan. 
uh, so March of 2002 in Afghanistan, you know, not long after, you know, the Northern Alliance uh, um, uh, and the good guys had, had, had beaten the bad guys. Um, and so, you know, and then uh, through the years saw how much we built up in Afghanistan. And so, you know, as we're recording this, as you know, the conversation in, uh, in, on the national stage is uh, when are we getting out? Uh, and it's sort of been that way for about the last 18 years. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but it's but it's uh, it's interesting to see. And, and so I, as I look back upon my career, mo- the coolest things I got to do uh, was uh, chaplain for basic training and 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 to, to be deployed many times. Uh, and I spent a year away in the Middle East. But, uh, you know, just with men and women, soldiers, sailors, airmen and Marines who had raised their right hands and nearly all volunteer um, uh, at that point uh, and, and saying, uh, well, all volunteer at that point saying, yeah, I want to serve my country. And, uh, you know, I don't know how I got to Afghanistan, but I like it. You know, I like being around these these guys and, and my buddies and we, you know, we fight together, we train together. Um, and we're doing something for the country, for the world that uh, is is meaningful and, and purposeful, um, and that was that was cool. It was being part of all that. You know, probably 15 years before I retired, you know, I started thinking about it pretty hard, because again, I didn't know, um, you know, where the exit ramp was. I knew there was going to be one, and and you know, when it when it appeared, I knew I needed to be ready to turn the blinker on and you know, um, and, and exit. Um, and so about, uh, 15 years before I retired, I, I decided I, I, that getting a PhD wouldn't hurt me. Um, you know, and so I had to persuade my wife that it was going to be worth uh, the time, effort and energy it took. And it's, you know, it's, it's three and a half years of pain and very little sleep. Um, but, um, I said, listen, you know, the, one of the things I really enjoyed about um, about my Air Force career, even before the chaplaincy, was teaching Air Force ROTC. So I said, you know, I don't know, you know, when I retire, maybe I'll go be a pastor someplace. Maybe I'll go into higher education. Maybe teach at a, you know, a, a Christian school or, or a, you know, or a, um, you know, or a seminary someplace. I have no idea, but I, know, I do know that a lot of a lot of what I might be able to do, I can't do without a PhD. So I, I got a PhD not knowing what was going to, to wind up, but knowing that there were some things that I liked about college environment, things like that. So um, when when we really started thinking about, uh, again, and I like the way you put it, because, you know, if um, I would still be in today had Uncle Sam not told me that my time was up, you know, shot clock has expired. There's the door. We appreciate your service, but uh, someone else will replace you. And I said, "Oh, I know how this works. No problem. I'm I'm not leaving mad. I'm leaving leaving proud, and we'll go see what's next." Well, um, so what what my wife and I did, we said, uh, "Let's let's make a little list here of all the things we really love about the Air Force." Um, and you know, there are things that you love. You know, the old the old pros and cons list. You know, you know. There are things that you love about the Air Force, and we listed those. And you've mentioned many of them. You know, a camaraderie, the sense of mission, a sense of purpose. You know, the the, uh, the, the 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 training that you do together. You know, all this that this builds this bond, this family. Um, and so that was on the list. And and uh, and so when, when I thought about you know how how can we duplicate uh, in the civilian world what we're doing uh, in the chaplaincy frankly because we really enjoyed it and it was something that we could do together you know i was the one who you know, wore the rank and, and got the paycheck but vicky 
you know, as, as part of the, the chapel setting, she was, she was a partner as much as she wanted to be. And so I said, let's look for something that we can still do together um, in which, you know, we, we can, we can serve a, a population of 18 to 22 year olds who, you know, need a little guidance uh, um, and uh, help point them in the right direction. Uh, again, t- thought about all the ROTC stuff, thought about what I enjoyed about being a pastor and as a chaplain in the Air Force. Um, and then all this sort of came together um, uh, with with the long shot uh, in the dark of, hey, well, you know, why don't I apply to be the president of a university? Um, to which people said, well, how do you do that? You're not, you've never been in, you know, you've never been a president of the university. You know, you're a chaplain. What are you talking about? <laughs> um, and, and, and so so I said, well, I don't know what I'm talking about. All I know is that these are the things that, that we enjoy doing. And mm-hmm. best I can tell, um, one of the best places to do that is at a, at a university. And so I got nothing to lose. Let's, uh, <laughs> let's, let's see how this goes. Um, and so started reading and st- studying and, you know, uh, as you mentioned earlier, that just as the military has its own lingo, higher education has its own lingo. Mm-hmm. Um, and one of the things I discovered very early on, thank, thanks be to God, is that um, there really um, are, aren't that many differences in military and higher education. Uh, because being a college president, um, as I thought about it, and, I, and I, I've thought about it a lot in the, in the two and a half years I've been here, is really no different. In, 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 in no significant respect, it's the exact same thing as being a garrison commander um, or an Air Force lingo wing commander. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so uh, there are groups, um, you know, and, and battalions or whatever, you know, mm-hmm. that, that you would have brigades and all this kind of stuff. Um, you, you have the same uh, function. Um, and if you can master the bureaucracy that is the U.S. military, you actually can master the bureaucracy that is higher education. Um, and so that's kind of how we approached it. Um, where can we find the thing that's going to duplicate what we love about the, about the military? And we've, we've... I am so glad you gave a shout out to your wife. A lot of that really is, um, you know, the issue that every human who's ever lived has is what's my identity? Who am I? Mm-hmm. You know, and if, if you're, husband or wife, depending on who the military member is, rips you out of your surroundings and, and brings you along like they would, you know, some, you know, some issue of GI baggage or whatever, you, you know, then, then, and you're the person who's been drug along, then, then you're like, who am I? You know? And, and so a lot of those people are say, well, I guess I'm the, I guess I'm the Sergeant Major's wife, you know, or mm-hmm. I guess I'm the uh, mass Sergeant wife or whatever. And so that, and so it is a challenge that everybody has. And, and, um, I find the same thing uh, happens on the way out of the military. You know, the, the biggest issue uh, is uh, who am I now? Mm-hmm. You know, once I take the uniform off, um, who am I? What do I do? You know, what, what meaning and purpose do I have in, in this life? So I think, I think that it is right. And you're right. Absolutely right. The spouse, you know, pays a huge price. The kids pay a huge price because, you know, whether they signed up for it or not, they did say at the wedding vows, I do, you know, and I'll, I'll go wherever you take me or whatever. So they did say yes to that. But there's a whole lot of stuff they didn't say yes to. And they figured out later what it is they signed up for. And that's so I, I appreciate you acknowledging that. But, you know, marriage is, marriage is um, difficult for everybody. You know, having done a lot of marriage counseling through the years, it's, it's difficult for everybody. But some 
people make it harder than it has to be, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but but it's made more difficult, you know, when you add into the mix, hey, let's move every two to three years. And so let's say let's say you have a, you know, my my wife taught school for twenty three years. Um, well, every time I we PCS, guess what? I had an office or a parking spot or a you know a title. Mm-hmm. I didn't have to interview for any kind of job. You know that's why they call them orders. Mm-hmm. You know that the, somebody from some headquarters sent me orders and I said, <laughs> "Okay, I guess we're going here." Mm-hmm. Uh, um, there was no negotiating; it was just happening. Well, she then had to go, you know, tell her her school. Oh, by the way, I got got to resign, and so she spent an entire career. She wound up teaching twenty three years in six different states. But every time we got to a new place, you know, she had to go through the whole rigmarole of taking a test to, to be certified in the state and going through the interviews again. And, you know, she every time she moved, she lost. She, she was no longer vested, you know, in that retirement system. And so she never, despite serving 23 years as a teacher in public schools, there's no retirement. You know, mm-hmm. there's no it's just, yeah, you taught six different places. Congratulations. Um, right. Um, and that's yeah, another yeah. difficult thing uh, that spice, spouses have to deal with. And, in many respects, uh, not every respect, but in many respects, um, the spouse has the much harder job mm-hmm. uh, be, because, um, as, as we've said here, no control over, over the where or the when. Uh, but also you leave behind any any kind of career advancement, you know, unless you're in maybe there's probably a few careers where you, you don't lose anything. And maybe maybe in the coming years, as people work remotely, it's probably going to get better. But, you know, for for a lot of people, you know, you, you 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 start back at the bottom, you know, the next place you come, you start back at the bottom. And if if the people that uh, the spouse works with knows, well, she's only going to be here three years. And so, you know, you, you might not get the. The, the the best projects or this or that you know I mean so mm-hmm. it's it's a whole lot more difficult than again the military person because when they move you know, you're part of this big massive system and you have instant uh, whatever your rank whatever your status whatever your job whatever your title you have instant you know you're welcomed in you know hey you're look at the new guy that you know they're here great this is awesome hey we're going to deploy in six months let's go do it mm-hmm. um, and you build camaraderie very early on because you have to because mm-hmm. the mission requires it, uh, but but the spouses pay a play a pay a huge price and play a huge role. And um, you know, I, I certainly couldn't have done it without without my my wife doing what she's done mm-hmm. did and making those sacrifices. It just wouldn't have happened. Yeah. And- yeah. Yeah. Or, or else. Uh, and, and and again, you know, with uh, with nearly every military career field you know, there, there's no margin for error, you know, and so it, it, it literally is the case um, that, uh, you know, you stand between, you know, the free world and tyranny. Um, and and, and you know, even if your job is just whatever, fill in the blank, mm-hmm. you know, what difference does one chaplain make or one logistician make or, or whatever? Well, you know, a big difference um, mm-hmm. because you plug into the system um, and especially in a, in a deployed setting, um, you know, I, I didn't find a lot of people standing around with nothing to do. You know, there are periods where that happens you know, between training and this and that. And, but, but I mean, you know, there weren't a lot of extra people there. Um, um, so, yeah, it's every, every person's important and significant. To close this out for us today, I'm going to put you on the spot. 
If you were hosting this podcast and you were interviewing yourself, what question did I not ask that you would want to ask yourself? I mean, what is there about you you think people don't know about you or what might find interesting about you or... Well, my only claim to fame is is that I went to high school with Michael Jordan. Jordan. Yeah, that's my only claim to fame. Um, and uh, I should have stayed in better touch. That's all I can say. I, uh, you know, my, my sometimes people ask me about my name. What kind of name is Dondi? D-O-N-D-I. It's my given name, you know, mm-hmm. and I was named after a comic strip character, which explains a good bit about... Uh, but but yeah, that 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 really is it. Um, and I, I guess the last thing that I, I would say is that, uh, and I appreciate you talking about transition because because um, by far the hardest transition for a lot of my friends uh, and plural you know, present tense um, is not was but is the transition from uh, you know being somebody in the in the military um, to what do I do now. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I have a, a number of my friends who, who are in that, in that, what do I do now phase? Um, and I guess, you know, probably the biggest blessing that I, that I had was I haven't had to face that yet because I went from, you know, I started this job, my, my first day of terminal leave, the first day I could start, I started here. And so on the one hand, I only had two weeks between jobs. On the other hand, I didn't have to look for a job. Um, well, I did while I was in, but mm-hmm. I didn't, there, there was not a gap of, oh my gosh, what do I do now? Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think that's probably been not a lot of my friends is, is their is their greatest challenge is finding that next thing. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that easy. is true. That transition is big. Well, well, again, you know, of 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 all the skills that you, you know, your your personality, you you were sort of born for this. But but one of the things the army taught you. Um, uh, and you took it full advantage of obviously is in your recruiting work, you know, you, you know how to read people mm-hmm. um, and not everybody does. Um, and so I, I would just echo her comments. You're, you're very good at reading people. And, and I, I look forward to uh, seeing how, how this portion of your life, this next portion of your life takes fuller advantage of that. Even. Yeah. Tiffany, I really appreciate it. Uh, yeah. Good, good getting to, to meet you. Thanks for what you're doing. Because, Absolutely. You know, Hi, this is Sia, co-host at Innovation Calling Podcast here. I want to extend my gratefulness to all the men and women who have served our country. We've had the honor to highlight some amazing military leaders and learn how they've applied their experiences in civilian professional life. I'd like to give a shout out to retired Brigadier General Robert Spaulding on how the U.S. can be more innovative for the future of telco and Jim Murph Murphy founder of Afterburner, on using continuous business improvement through flawless execution. It's that kind of discipline and constant drive to be better that I see in most veterans. And let's be honest, from a business perspective, it is most profoundly appreciated. So thank you for your time, your sacrifice, and love for our country. Keep on being you and proudly pursue your dreams. You've got this. And thanks again. Hi, this is Dr. Daniel Roberts wishing every veteran out there a happy Veterans Day. I appreciate all your sacrifice 
and all that you do uh, for this country. As a veteran myself who served in the Army for 30 years, I know how much of a sacrifice it is for you and your family and uh, how much America relies on you to guard the gates, so to speak. So I love and respect all of you and uh, hope you are safe and doing well. You and your entire family. Be blessed. The first thing that comes to mind when I think of being a veteran is sacrifice. Because you sacrifice a lot. And if you're out there trying to raise a family while in the military, they also sacrifice a lot. Um, and I would also say pride, because when I look at the faces of my family as they talk about my career, and, and I know how very proud they are of me, that gives me great joy. And for every soldier that served with me, um, thank you. Thank you, because you contributed to my career. And if you're serving today, I commend you. And I would say, do not be a 60% soldier, be 100% every day. So when you look at the mirror at the end of the day, you also have pride. I would say to you, be safe and God bless. Being a veteran means having the honor and privilege to serve our country and to be alongside others who made and continue to make the ultimate sacrifice. Thank you. Have a nice day.